a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Deus Ex Media. Hello, Scaredy Cats. Welcome back to another fabulous Monday here at the Super Scary Podcast. I'm your ghostess with the mostest, Josh. Today, we have some awesome guests. Uh, We have a little threesome going on on the podcast. It's been a while. Uh, So we um, we have the awesome duo from Scared Gay Podcast. Please welcome Pablo and Paul. How are you guys? Hello. Hi. We're doing well. How about yourself? We're happy to be here. Good. I'm doing well, thanks. Um, So if you would like to share with the listeners um, about your podcast and what you do over there, I'd love for you to tell them. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, as Pablo said, thank you for having us. Pablo and I are scared gay. We are what we like to say a horror movie podcast with a gay agenda. We basically each... I. We are a movie review podcast, but we really like to dissect horror movies through a queer lens. So each episode, you'll hear us. I really analyze things, you know, break things down, talk a lot of shit, and then make a <laughs> lot of very inappropriate Paul, jokes that Paul, would make your mother Paul, blush. Come on. Talk a lot of shit. Paul Bourget, read it to filth, honey. Like, that's <laughs> what we have to say. Come on. Gay card revoked. (laughs) And Pablo likes to address a lot of my internalized homophobia. So there's, (laughs) there's that, but yeah, no, that that's who we are. I, we are San Francisco based. We talk about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's who we are. Awesome. There's a little bit of, of everything. And I love that. Um, In particular, uh, the, episode I started. If uh, the scaredy cats want to go take a listen, I started with the I still know what you did last summer (laughs) episode, um, (laughs) which was full of hot takes literally within the first five minutes. Um, (laughs) So uh, if you love the hot takes that we have over here, definitely go listen to their podcast. We are queer men. We have hot takes. Yes. All day, all night. (laughs) always um well you both just hosted a like horror movie variety show right i think it was at the oasis in san francisco right correct so yes ma'am we put on a uh this variety show for all of our fans and people who love horror and people who love drag and performance in this bay area and it was a lot of fun there was a through line of the scared gay slasher and so this one was this was our first one and it was essentially like a love our love letter to horror specifically our love letter to um slashers so we had you know this slasher so every kind of stereotypical scene of slashers like the lovers in the park the like you know we're gay so we had to add like gay stuff to it so like the guy (laughs) the guy's cruising in the shower but also like you know like 
one of my favorite it ended up being one of my favorites is the maintenance man because like in every slasher film it's always like a <laughs> a principal or a custodian or uh like what's the person that works on cars <laughs> A mechanic? mechanic? A mechanic. Thank you. A mechanic. Like someone. He's so pretty. I, ha! <laughs> like they die. So we, we had kind of that running through with a bunch of awesome, amazing drag queens doing their um, numbers to their love of whatever horror person that they had. We had, you know, a trio that was Chucky and. Uh, Leatherface, Leatherface, and Jason. And, and Jason, and we had, oh, wow, yeah, we had um, a pole dancer do Reagan from The Exorcist, but like pole <laughs> dancing the entire time. It was <laughs> fucking fantastic, and like we had, you know, Saw, which was insane, and <laughs> like just it was wild and fun. We had a bunch of trivia. Um, people really turned out. We we're we're definitely doing it again we're gonna have such a fun time and if you ever find yourself in san francisco or if you are like you know what i'm planning a trip when are you guys doing your show we'll let you know and we would love to have you love it i love that so much um it made me want to do something like that here in richmond not that i would you know steal from you or anything but... <laughs> do it do it enjoy uh, yeah. it take it take take it all you want baby <laughs> Oh, take it all God. take all eight inches i don't know i'm sorry what i've never heard paul talk like a top before oh dang well there there's a first time for everything right yeah true I guess. well well i mean i'm a bottom i talk too much usually so <laughs> i can relate to that are you literally like the person that's like i know you've been doing this for 30 minutes but are you into me <laughs> Are you mad at me? Are you, are you mad at me? I no. can't tell if you like me. I mean, no, I know I just no. followed your jizz, but... No, let's be honest. My mother taught me it is not polite to talk with your mouth full. Oh, so... my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I am so excited for what this uh, episode holds. Um... Oh, to talk about familial trauma with I... a lot of jokes about being a bottom and maybe some prolapsing. Like, oh hey. <laughs> we love it. We love it. I do have a kind of hot take question mm-hmm. of the day. Um, so during spooky season, um, well, I mean, I follow a lot of gay artists on Instagram, Twitter, whatnot. And, you know, usually around spooky season, there's like sexy versions popping up of Jason, Michael, Ghostface, like even, you know, TikTokers are wearing the mask and doing like thirst traps. I would love to hear your opinions on that. <laughs> hmm. Like, do you like it? Do you think it's weird? I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum, honey, but at the same time, I, 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 I don't mind it. I love a, you know, strong, silent type who's you know willing to ram something into me. Like, I mean, I, again, don't want to yuck anyone's yum. I, I am more entertained by the Michael Myers and like high heels dancing to slumber party by Britney Spears. Yes. But, but I, but, but I see what you're saying. We, okay. So during our scared gay variety show, we actually had a dating show 
that had uh, it was like an audience interactive thing and we did the dating show and it yeah. had we had uh jason voorhees but really pamela voorhees was the one speaking for him uh <laughs> until so until he kills her and says jason what bussy bussy yeah. yeah yeah jason we turned jason into a major fuck boy uh, <laughs> and i i don't know i mean if people people are turned on by myriad things like I am not going to, you know, start yeah. beating the meat to, uh, you know, to Jason, but you do you, boo. Well, like for me, I'm not necessarily turned on. Like, yes, attractive people are beautiful, but like, and my poor husband, um, the more <laughs> fucked up violent a film, the more I'm like, you better fucking clean out, get ready and bite on that pillow because I'm going to be there when this scene is done. I am turned the fuck on. Oh so like Chris gets I- more mortified on each episode of not just our podcast, but every and he's like podcast the you nicest human being ever. He's like so sweet. But like, so for me, I, you know, when I see these people doing that, I'm like, whatever. But then like, you know, they're replaying a scene where like, (laughs) I don't know, a saw scene where people get like their limbs ripped off. And I'm like, the vapors. Oh, the vapors. (laughs) I don't know why. Like the adrenaline rush of it all makes me horny. So when I see gay guys doing that, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, like in April, it's bunny ears and Christmas, it's maybe a Santa beard, maybe. And in (laughs) Halloween, it's, you know, a Michael Myers mask. Like it's all the same to me. I mean, how different, how different is it? from seeing like a really hot guy with like a Michael Myers mask or Jason mask, then seeing like a hot torso on grinder, at least, you know, one of the interests that this guy has, he's at least into horror movies. (laughs) That's true. Well, I mean, he he may not be, he may not be in horror films. He's just still like sharing the goods. Right. Though I did hook up with a guy who is really hot. Oh. Hold on, Chris, just skip past this. Went <laughs> in the future. Skip that a few but I did hook up with this guy, and he is a humongous horror fanatic. And so he, his fetish was putting on horror masks during sex, and I was like, "I love this. Like, this is amazing." Okay. <laughs> And so that's, Pablo, is this you? No, I don't. <laughs> He's like looking at himself in the mirror. Like, I'm all, oh my god! No, no, yeah, I'm looking. Myself would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. <laughs> but like, you know, I'd rather see like scary costumes, like um, or sexy costumes, like I don't know, sexy Rachel Dolezal, or like sexy <gasps> a sexy tree, or like sexy, um gerrymandering like i don't know like sexy any costume up i'm all for it whether it's you know horror or not <laughs> horror in weird. every sense of the word <laughs> right <laughs> well every how time about I say, you josh <laughs> yeah oh well okay i have a weird like like i want to like it but it's almost like am i gonna be weird for liking it and I guess it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But in my deter- internal thought process, I'm like, this is weird. I shouldn't like this. 
lean into the weird. Yeah. Lean into the weird. <laughs> as long as it's something. not painful. Like, I mean, Honey. as long as you're not jerking off to a Serbian film like Pablo does, like you are <laughs> fine. Honey, okay, let me tell you this. I have a clown fetish and my husband's into like puppy play. So when we are walking around doing the fetish stuff, it's literally a clown bringing around a puppy. Like if we are fine, you are okay. fine. Enjoy <laughs> everything and everything. All right. I dated a guy who had a scat fetish. We're all fine. It's all good. You know? okay. <laughs> if you can survive that, you can survive anything. A hundred percent. If you want to learn more about these stories, listen to Scared Gay Podcasts. <laughs> are available on all your platforms. That's all. <laughs> also, listeners, I'm sorry. This is going to be a long episode because Paul and I are... We're not quiet people. We We like to talk. <laughs> It's okay. We <laughs> editing Josh will hate it because it's like, <laughs> no, no. I, I'm I'm teasing obviously because I I love talking to people. Is this the editing process? Just always like I Pablo just wouldn't know. Put it off to the I wouldn't know. But <laughs> put it off to the last minute. Paul pa- Paul's the one who does all the editing, so that's why you. Oh God bless mistakes. you. Yeah. At, le- yeah. at least you have two people that could, you know, in theory, share the work. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, you, I, I should learn. But... Well, no, no, but no, Pablo. Okay, yeah, no, Pablo and I do a really good job of splitting up all of the tasks. Oh yeah, and, and everything. Oh yeah, and yeah. So like that, like we definitely keep it very like even keel. And Pablo put so much, so puts so much work into our variety shows and. Oh yeah, uh, and good. so it, it all it all balances out. So yeah, good. we really are balanced. I love you, Paul. Love you too. Because <laughs> if baby are the bottom, but you know who's not balanced? This fucking this family. family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> yeah. So today, uh, listeners, um, we are talking about the movie Hereditary. Um, we're still on the A24 kick because God knows when SAG-AFTRA is going to end their strikes. So we're just going to knock all the A24 movies out of the way. Yeah. Um, so this was one of the kind of final few that I had to watch because um, I hadn't watched Hereditary prior to this. Um, so um, what are your kind of initial thoughts on this? Had you seen it before? Do you like it? Oh, yeah. I saw it when it came out in theater. I think I saw it twice in theaters. I own it. I've seen it multiple times. I love this film. I like it. I think it's like a master class in great acting. Mm. I love the storytelling. Yeah, I love um, I love anything that deals with th- essentially psych i was a psych major i went all the way in my masters and everything so i love anything that deals with psych the like psychology of structures and this one is a family structure but the external like how the external demonic forces interplay with that and so i was like oh my god this film is like so beautiful i should have this is what i should have done my thesis on (laughs) (laughs) how about you paul yeah no i i love Ari Aster, and I think that I really enjoyed this film for the fact that it is not 
the fact that he didn't want it to start as just a horror film, both this and Midsommar, I know that he wanted to create a movie about a relationship. And in this case, a movie about a family drama and then add the horror elements. And I may not be a psych major, but I was a theater major. <laughs> so <laughs> I look at the narrative <laughs> of this and, and, and the performances. I mean, Tony Collette, like robbed, oh, robbed, robbed of not being nominated for, Golden Globes, Academy Award, like it, it just is a master, master performance from her uh, in the entire cast. I did not. I remember seeing the trailer for this movie in theaters, but for some reason, I didn't see it while it was in theaters. And I, I watched it like alone at home one night and was scared shitless. And like it was, but it, it like like a lot of these horror movies with with Ari Aster and I thought the same thing about Midsummer was I I didn't really like love it until my second watch and this mm-hmm. is the type of film where like, each time you watch it you catch more and more even if you think like okay I know the whole plot I know all of the kind of easter eggs to look out I like to refer to Ari Aster as like the Taylor Swift of <laughs> Oh um, my god. Pablo just rolled his eyes, <laughs> listeners. Oh my god. <laughs> Have you, you seen the look what you made roll. me do video? <laughs> Tell me Ari Aster did not <laughs> rip off the reputation tour. <laughs> oh my god. No, but no, but in all seriousness, I think that the worlds that he creates are just so three four dimensional like it, it's it's so impactful and the performances are so visceral i i am very very close with my family so seeing seeing the family dynamics in this and when i'm sure we'll talk about you know what does hereditary mean and all of the different definitions of that 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 come out of this film i think are just so amazing mm-hmm. and it's such a conversation piece so yeah yeah, I liked it. <laughs> Just a little bit, right? Um, yeah, I really liked this a lot, too. I actually watched it twice for this because I felt like I missed a lot in my first viewing. Um, just kind of like the little Easter eggs, like you said, like I totally missed that the um, the telephone pole or whatever had like the um, the symbol, the, famous the symbol, symbol of the occult on there. And I was like why are they like zooming in on this poll? Like <laughs> I just didn't see it. Um, mm. And the first time I watched it on my phone, so I don't think I had my brightness up enough to really kind of like see the symbol, but I digress anyway. Um, but yes, Wait, I would agree. You, you watched it on your phone. Yeah. You watched it on your phone. <laughs> that is insane. I, I mean, like good job. That's awesome. <laughs> Your partner doesn't want you watch it or doesn't want to watch these movies. So you're like, I'm just imagining you huddled over I, <laughs> yeah, like on your side of the bed with the blanket over you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I imagined you on the toilet and your partner being like, why are you in there forever? <laughs> why are you in there for two you're and like, a half for hours? For Ari Aster's Easter eggs. <laughs> Talk about Ari Aster. You're like, why were you screaming from the bathroom? <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> oh my God. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, I was just envisioning myself on the toilet doing that. Um, but I do, I do really like Tony Collette's performance in this. Obviously, it's amazing, icon, amazing. Um, I also really liked Alex Wolf's performance as um, Peter, the son. Yeah, he's good. Um, so good. Yeah, I felt like I really kind of connected with his character because I'm the oldest brother of three. So like, and both are my other siblings are sisters. So like I kind of connected with him on that as far as like taking care of your sisters. Obviously he didn't do a very good job in the beginning of the movie. Uh, um, uh, yeah. but... <laughs> oh, a lot to say about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I kind of related to him because you know, I mean, there's a lot of pressure as like the oldest sibling. I don't know if either of you can relate to that at all, but yeah. um, I'm an know. only child. My family is unique in that like all the same mom. I have two older sisters, but my two older sisters and then there's a big gap and then there's me and then my little brother and like my sisters and I are like still like super, super close, but because of the big gap, my mom treated my eldest sister and me very similarly and treated us very much like the older children. So mm, I, yeah. I, I am, oh, interesting. Yeah. I am simultaneously a middle child and an older sibling. Makes so, sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. So yeah, like, I, I I hear I I'm picking up what you're throwing down with <laughs> with the Peter uh, relationship. I can see that. Like, yeah, absolutely, too. So, yeah, the um, I, since I hadn't seen this movie until now, my only knowledge of this movie is I don't know if you've seen this meme. It's usually used on Twitter as like a reaction video or whatever but it's like a yesified annie and she's like it's, yes do you, do you yes know i know exactly <laughs> but it's her face after she sets her husband on fire and yeah she's like, but it's oh with the neck oh yeah and it's like <laughs> that should be my next fucking tattoo that's a good yeah. tattoo <laughs> yeah Oh my God, for the love of God, please get that. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to look for it for you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that scene um, when Steve is set on fire, but it's like set to the music of, um, I think alien superstar. I think there's different versions, but alien superstar by Beyonce is like in the background and it's like unique. And she's just like, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Fine. <laughs> And there's it's like different so versions. funny, so good. Well, the one that I loved is like couples outfit idea, and it's um the daughter and then a pole. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> oh my god, right. so terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, A twenty four loves their slow burn mommy issues stories. Mm. Uh, we covered hole in the ground a couple weeks ago. I don't know if I you've still seen wanna that. Wa- I want to watch that really bad. Speaking of, I haven't seen that either. It's pretty I good. Actually, heard, I heard good things. Cause it's like a changeling type of issue, right? I don't yeah, know. yeah. Yeah. It's um, who doesn't live a good hole in the ground. With mo- <laughs> I love a hole with mommy issues. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Josh is going to be able to get through this. 
so <laughs> oh my god it's fine i just i i usually end up laughing at my guests every time <laughs> my uh my my friend leela came on for the x episode and she's like imitating um mia goth and um jenna ortega's like interaction at the end and she's like screaming like every uh, five seconds I so fun Cute. um but yeah, so um, I really enjoyed this cast's performance. Um, is there any particular portion of the movie that really stuck with you? Um, before we get into the serious thing, I I'm gonna because <laughs> there are a lot of serious <laughs> topics that 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 stick with me. But one thing that I'm very curious about is the relationship with Peter and his friend. Uh, because Peter and his friend text each other and they're in class <laughs> one day and you see their previous text messages. And it's something like, oh my gosh, go wash your, di-. like, like, oh, like, do you want to twirl, twirl around? And he's like, oh yeah, I just have to take, I just have to clean my dick wash my dick i have to yeah. wash my dick and his and he's like send pics <laughs> and then later he's like oh like come or like like come come to this party bring your dick and in my head canon peter's gay and he and his friend are blowing each other and that that's the like only real like <laughs> inappropriate joke i want to get out that's not like an inappropriate joke because you spent so long on our episode talking about that. That is like an actual topic that you are like bringing to the table. Anytime someone, even if someone's like, oh yeah, I was diagnosed with depression. Apparently it's hereditary. Then Paul's like, you know what else? Peter is gay. And let me tell you. And people are like, what? I was talking about my Um <laughs> It's like it's the wow! Best. I love it. Wow! It's wow. so good. You're really dramatic. That is <laughs> wow. I'm dramatic. Why don't you, you say that a- after I kill myself? Calm down. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Am I the therapist in this situation? Yeah, I, probably. I love this. Probably. I know this is the worst. I mean, this is how all my threesomes go. <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! No, 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 no! Sorry, I, I actually have it written down. Someone's here. Someone's just um, watching in the Peter, corner. Peter, <laughs> no. The the actual text thread is, um, because they're texting during class, and then this is like the text that they've sent previously to each other. And it says, Peter, working, want to twirl around later? Mm-hmm. Sus. <laughs> Friend, sure, let me finish waxing my D. And Peter says, good luck, send pics. And then and then we see the actual text that they're sending each other in the moment, which is like, want to smoke a bowl at break? And it's there's yeah. no waxed underage penis on this, so don't worry. <laughs> Also, like, what, 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 like, if you're waxing your actual, like, dick, that, like, what kind of, like, 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 Bigfoot, like, Sasquatch, yeah, like, werewolf type thing, if you're waxing your shaft, if you're waxing your shaft, if you're waxing your shaft, okay, (laughs) okay, but that is that what the episode name's gonna be if you wax wax your your shaft, shaft. okay, but that, yeah, I will get, I've, promise you i have more thoughtful <laughs> and insightful opinions about this movie that i will get into later but if you asked me that's the first thing that comes to mind pablo 
what stuck what stood out to me of this film um well not none of that <laughs> um i will say the fact that they killed off um oh my god what's her name again charlie 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 yeah god i always forget the fact that they killed off charlie and they showed us her head why that really stood out to me the the whole film i think just really stands out in all of the discussions and how and how everyone is acting and all that stuff. like it's, it's it's all brilliant but that one specifically because we are one it's a child and she's kind of like she's not like a toddler but she's like a young she's not like you know high school freshman she's like a kid and they decapitate her so viciously, beat yeah. her face in with a fucking pole, and leave it being eaten by ants. American cinema rarely kills children, and when it does, we rarely see it. And we fucking saw it. And I thought it was brilliant because the whole entire, like, the way that they marketed this film, when they were releasing all of the um, marketing footage, I mean, it's Charlie's face on the poster for this right she dominated the trailer so you're like you think that she's you know she's maybe not going to be like the main main character but you think she's going to be such an important part of the film that she's going to take you through the end and then bam like fucking head's gone and no more charlie right and it it was it's such like a it, it essentially is like such a smart move, I guess, in a film to be like, uh, everything that you expect out the fucking window, anything and everything is up for grabs. This is going to be fucking crazy. Sit on the edge of your seat. We're going to go through all of it. And I love that. Well, they capitalize on a very you know common trope uh, that we we you know, first see with with Psycho, and then famously with Scream. Yeah, and yeah. That we we are given a bit of that misdirect of like who we think our main protagonist is. And I remember watching the trailer in this and thinking Charlie's going to be the main character. Yeah, and 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 it's not. She's gone. You know, twenty minutes into the film, and I think that like that. Ari Aster does a really good job of paying homage to a lot of horror tropes, but still subverting them. But I think this also shows that there's really like, like dare I say like fundamentals to horror films that this one, I don't think is overused and it really, really works in, in, in this particular film. Yeah. Especially because her character is so, I mean, you get to know more about it afterwards once you understand everything, but her character is so shy and quiet and helpless. And she has something else that's already a threat, which is an allergy, Yeah, which we can even make the argument like, you know, is, is that hereditary, right? Or is that just congenital, blah, blah, blah. But she already has something that is the threat. And then, completely taken out like not you know that was just like the catalyst for a decapitation of all fucking things right so i it's great well she also i mean the character is just so well developed and that like she has all of these small quirks and a lot of her quirks obviously come into play later but like ari aster when he wrote the film he wrote like 95 i like 95 page like backstories or something he wrote yeah. long character like backstories or helped them write character backstories i that i think are just so 
obvious in, in yeah. this. And, and she's such a developed character. And Millie Shapiro does such a, a fucking job. good job well, in, in, in bringing that to life. It's also interesting of the casting of Millie Shapiro, right? Because Millie Shapiro has a congenital disorder that was passed on from her mother and it's the same one that um that the actor galen from stranger things has and it's it's it, it really does it's really just affects like the cranial development um i think ultimately we cannot i think it's important to discuss that that i don't feel is like in like a coincidence i actually think that was purposeful right it is right. part of the character it is also part of the story to really look at what you know hereditary in all sense of the terms from genetic conditions to everything right and one of the things that had stood out to a lot of people is they couldn't figure out uh charlie's character because she obviously has you know like a condition that affects the way she looks and it's very obvious but no one could tell. Like I, I remember when this came out, no one can tell. Is this a condition that just because the way she's written, does it also affect her? You know, cognitive and intellectual functioning. You know, ultimately, I, I don't think it. Do, like the condition does it, and I don't think her character is meant to be. I think her character is, you know, shy and all this stuff. I love that they don't talk about that because it's right. you know, it's not about her very specific things that she's inherited so it's about the family so everyone has inherited something right and so i i just think like everything that they've done with her character i think is so strong that it is such her character and her death is such it really is super i it's very iconic to this film it really is like a major part of the whole culture of this film yeah, and like, and like you said, I I don't think we've really seen something like this specifically in American cinema. Like you said, where it's just like we're showing a decapitated head, let alone a child's head, <laughs> on yeah. top of that, and with just the ants crawling all over it yeah. and everything is just it's such a freaky, freaky, um, mm-hmm. a freaky scene. But um, yeah, I wasn't necessarily expecting the decapitation to begin with (laughs) when i first watched it so it was like very like jarring like right out the gate like you're already on edge because you're like is he gonna get her to the hospital is he gonna crash the car is he gonna die in the car crash or something you know like all of those things that's Um, not the kind of roadhead he was expecting (laughs) (laughs) I hate that I laughed at that. <laughs> no, you're good. But yeah, there there was a lot of decapitation in this film, which again, another thing I wasn't yeah. really expecting. Well, it's um, it, it's a payment thing, right? Like payment the demon collects heads right <laughs> like so but like every like he gets head baby. Like everything <laughs> is just, you know, from the fucking doves to everything yeah yeah and um kind of going off like you mentioned psycho a little bit ago um well kind of well i'm kind of jumping ahead to the end but we can talk about it spoiler alert obviously i'm really bad at that on here but um you know at the end when you know 
Peter jumps out the window. He basically dies. And then Charlie's spirit kind of takes over Peter's body because um, I, I guess Charlie, Charlie's spirit is Payman, the Demon King. I, like, I was kind of so confused I think by that a little bit. It's, but... it's Payman is the one jumping from people to people, possessing them. And he takes peter's body at so peter when he jumps out the window peter dies and payment is that's the opportunity for payment to enter that body got it so 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 payment was in charlie's body so to speak payment was in uh payment was in charlie then payment like you know the way it goes payment is in the uncle payments in charlie then payment at some point gets into the mom just to be able to get into but Charlie was like her own spirit. There is a big, but there was this whole thing about it has to be a male body. Yeah. I I am blanking on this and I, because I did research a while back on it, but basically Charlie, I, I think the birth of Charlie may like mix this up a little bit. And that has to do with why I, uh, you know, the grandmother was very obsessed with Charlie and kind of treated Charlie almost like her own. And then also why Charlie's name is more masculine yeah, uh, or what is like called masculine uh, or would be considered masculine. My mom's name is Charlene and everyone calls her Charlie. So like it's, 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 you know, yeah. Gender is not a binary. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but I I there's something and they they play a bit with that. And then I think Peter was not always the first choice of where Payman was going to go, but then Payman ends up going into uh Peter's body later on because so my understanding is it was actually supposed to be Peter because Peter's older than Charlie, but um uh Annie was estranged from her mother, so her mother didn't have access. That's what it is. Yes. Her, her, her uh, mother didn't yeah, have access to Peter. So then when she was pregnant again, her, Annie was like, this time, now I'm pregnant. Now I can try to reconnect with my mother and all these things. Um, Charlie was born and they were able to get the 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 um, payments body into Charlie, which is why got it the ma the grandma isn't necessarily loving on charlie the grandma is loving on payment because god is already in charlie kind of going in um so charlie's body's hosting it but because charlie is alive you know it's it's like i got the sense that there was like two rather and than- that's why like and, and initially you see like those like glimmers of light that happen yeah. a lot of time and payment and um in charlie's room uh the clicking uh sound that happens throughout i uh, that is a payment like charlie's payment slash charlie behavior that well, well yeah it's, it's got it it's it's payment because once at the end the last thing that we see is peter looking at everyone and then he makes that clicking sound but charlie but but before he does that well you hear you hear the noises in the background but charlie is the only one who actually makes those noises before peter makes them otherwise they're usually background noises and very 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 subtle 
Yeah, yeah. I, I just and said, it's her spirit. It's her spirit. Yeah. Payment oh, spirit as well. Yeah. Well, I, I just took it. It was it was payment spirit making itself known. And so yeah. that behavior yeah. is payment behavior. When beha- yeah. when payment's not in you, you're not making that noise. When payment's in you, you're making that noise. That makes sense. Okay, that kind of clicked a little better in my head because no, I wasn't intended. Lack of a better word. <laughs> oh, wow. wow, I totally intended that. Um, I know. But yeah, um, so the point I was going to kind of make now that I understand that a little bit, um, I don't know, like Charlie is kind of presented like gender neutral in a sense or like kind of going back to your point mm. about being named Charlie um and having sort of a more masculine name and essentially having the the demon king spirit inside of her but then at the end they say that you know it's been corrected like the body's been corrected yep. and like the preferred healthy male body and i don't know if it's like a strange metaphor for gender gender identity i don't know how you guys hmm. feel about that Maybe it's just like because I like mean, in the last year we've had a lot of discussion about it. So it's like on my I mind. But I mean, I think there's a lot of like preference of like when we look like medieval times, people being like, oh, well, you know, you want a son like like especially we look at oh, like, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like royalty, like it needs to be like the first the firstborn son has has the reign. It's you know, queens are getting beheaded if they're only given, yeah. giving birth to daughters. Oh, I think yeah. that I didn't think I, about that. I, I interpret it a little bit more in that fashion of like it, <clears throat> it, it but also what it says is Payman himself identifies as a man. I or she's like pay, Payman is a man, so he prefers the a male vessel. I, well, one one of the interesting things about Payman as a deity and the fact that they chose this is um Payman is depicted as the body of a boy, but the f- face of like a female person, <laughs> like a feminine face. So Payman oh. already exists as like two dualities right and even though payment themselves really prefers a boy's body i don't know why they just say that it it does um i feel like the i mean if if we want to talk about it in a gender you know in a gender construct that's actually it's a very interesting choice to have payment whereas most other demons are like the head of a rooster and the body of like a goat leg or like, it's like so different. <laughs> yeah. And then there's payment who is a male, uh, a young male body and a female young female face. It's already two things. Right. Right. Um, and they do mention that kind of like in passing in the movie, but they do say that payment um, prefers a male host and needs that. Um, and they needs it young. So for me, it was more like, okay, I think they just needed to get, get it into, um, Peter first. She tried, you know, the grandma tried with her son, right? Right. <laughs> but maybe he was too old too. That, that was, that's something else, right? That she couldn't with whatever, but she could with someone who's very young, a baby, Charlie, boom, right there. I don't know if I necessarily took Charlie's, um, gender expression as a uh, like they're trying to make a, 
a statement on gender in the movie, but it it's 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 interesting to to look at, right? Like right. maybe it was not something that they were thinking, but in the back of their mind, especially with the choice of payment. I think I I I completely agree with Pablo, and I think I think it more was the grandmother wanting to more make the make Charlie more masculine. And I think that I I think that that influences it a little bit more versus whatever Charlie's personal identity is. I think that naming her Charlie like kind of pushes in that direction, maybe not like being a parent that's like, no, you need to play with dolls versus just being like, whatever and having it be a little bit more like, you know, non-binary, like, like, like not. Well, Charlie says it like grandma wishes I had been born a boy. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. She, she says that. So the grandma definitely is like, you know, (laughs) I'm sure like when Annie's not around, the grandma's like, you should have been born a boy because the demon that I put inside you, like you're annoying me. (laughs) Yeah. And she's just like, okay. Yeah. 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 Can I have a walnut? No. (laughs) Can I have a hard candy from your purse? A a, a what? Shut up. (laughs) Shut up. Be a boy. I know. Go be a boy. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I think I was like reading into it maybe a little too much. I mean, this was from 2018. Yeah. That's the fun thing about an Ari Aster movie is there. He gives you so much to read into. And like, that's what like makes these types of movies so fun to dissect. Yeah. You can talk about them for hours because there is so much meat there and so much thought that goes into these movies. Like, he was like like Tony Collette like like all said that he was the most prepared director she's ever worked with. Like he had thought wow. of fucking everything. And like this is like one of like ten movies that he's like, I know I want to make. He didn't want to be pigeonholed into being a horror director. I uh, and I think he's only made like three of the ten. It was this, Midsummer, and um Bo is afraid. I've not seen Bo is Afraid. I'm a bit of, I'm a bit afraid to see it just from some of the things that I've heard. Oh, really? Uh, well, and a, a, a lot of people, like no one knows and a lot of people do wonder, like is Ari Aster gay? And if he is gay, I mean, there's something in his films that are really questioning gender and sexuality and the expectations, right? So it makes people wonder if he is gay or queer in some sense. Um, so there is something there. Like I do think wondering, pondering, questioning makes a lot of sense because a lot of you know and in, in our podcast we we have like um you know uh for the gay gays and we do think that Ari Aster films do in a way kind of speak to a gay audience like it knows yeah what it like I don't want to say like dog whistles but it knows like it speaks to us in a language and it presented us in a language that as queer people we can identify these stories we can identify like there's a gender it, neutrality or gender it keeps us at the table here. exactly it, it keeps us at the table so so to speak that we're involved in the conversation we're involved yeah. in the world of this like of this film is there any like explicit queerness of this film no i mean it's a 
it's about a you know nuclear family in utah and like but i mean that but there are but there is subtext there's questioning there's again just ariaster provides us with all of these different layers to unpack but it's and, and right. it's also worth noting that <laughs> we know that ariaster has so many things that he puts in but it's not always the case like the example making it kind of in utah and the scenery is just because like it just looked nice like it would make sense for a film like this like that's kind of the reason not like he you know has this like treatise on like you know organized religion like mormonism no 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 you know like i wasn't saying utah i i wasn't saying utah is like in in a mormon sense i I didn't think you were i didn't think you were what i was saying is you know he's fun to try to dissect because he puts so much thought into it, but it's come become evident at some points that not everything has this deep meaning, right. you know? And so I was able to use the example of Utah because he gets asked a lot about like, Whoa, why'd you play, play? What were you trying to say? And he's like, I don't know. It just looked nice. Like, <laughs> not you know, like he's been pretty, like it just looked pretty. It just it was like good. Some, something visually you know made sense at the tone of the film okay cool <laughs> you know so so yeah so we we will never know you know why don't one of you go ask him out on a date and make sure that you go on the date and then ask him i would love to hear <laughs> why don't you i'm married thank you very much i had to push it out of someone's butt the other day i'm just kidding oh, dang. <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking <laughs> all right Speaking of the the scenery, I do love the shots where it's almost like a light switch and it goes from daytime to nighttime yes. and vice versa. Like those, um, I, I've been really into like the cinematography of movies recently. I never really used to be, but I think with watching stuff like specifically from A24, mm. like they really kind of pay attention to that. So, um, oh, yeah. I, I really kind of appreciated those shots because you obviously have to set it up in the same area so that, you know, it's not like a weird, like the house isn't off to the left whenever you do a shot like that. You know what I mean? Like it has to be in the same kind of focal point. Yeah. I guess. It's very, he makes really pretty films. He is, um, you know, like he, his, his visual style, he definitely has a visual style, much like Wes Anderson, much like um, Tim Burton or even like a Michael Bay, you know, it may not be the same, but they <laughs> definitely have a visual voice and a point of view when it comes to the aesthetic of their films. And that is also another thing that makes this film so captivating to watch. Absolutely. Um Aside from Charlie getting decapitated, the other moment that really kind of, um, you know, put a sense of dread in me is Peter waking up at the end of the movie <laughs> and just like walking downstairs, finding his dad burned alive. And then, you know, obviously the weird occult ladies all naked, like just hiding in the background. <laughs> yeah, kind of it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of insidious in a way like a, a lot of that kind of called back to that for me um i thought you were going to say because there's also a person on your uh 
roof right now watching. Well, that that too. Oh, there and is. The, and, um, and, and the <laughs> naked people in your closet. Yeah, like smiling. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think it isn't it Annie that's on the roof. Like it on, is Annie on, yeah. on the yeah. ceiling. She's on the like, ceiling, she's just like corner. It is yeah. so terrifying because you don't notice until she moves. Because then it's like, oh my god, there's something moving, and then you're yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. It is one of those things, and like those moments with like the naked guys and all of this, like just background stuff that like you kind of have again, like you notice way more vividly on a second watch, but it's very easy to miss, especially the shot of Tony Collette in the in the corner of the ceiling. It's and I've always loved these types of subtle there, there, there's not a there's not true like cat jumping on a window jump scares in this movie. It is very subtle and like at heart, yeah. it like goes back to like what makes like Halloween so scary. Yeah. And, like, right. it, it just is, yeah. is very, very much. <coughs> I, I hate jump scares. I, I like, <laughs> I'm not afraid of them. It's just, I find them to be very cheap. They can be good when they are very well intentioned and when they're very thoughtfully planned out. However, this movie is its horror comes from its subtlety. Good point. Yes. Yeah. I love that a lot. And um, utilizing the shadows in the house too. like the, the one after Annie gets off of the ceiling and she's kind of in the one corner of the room and she just comes out of nowhere and charges at Peter like that put a, like a sense of dread in me. Cause I don't think I could turn around fast enough and get away. <laughs> Yeah, I probably would have well, been I, like I lo- tackled right there. <laughs> I love one of the things that it does is um, like immediately because like the way it builds tension is it makes you like ingest the fucking frame, right? It makes you ingest the screen because you're looking at every corner. Where is something? There's something. That, where is the thing that's off? Where is it? Th- oh my god, it moved! How did I fucking miss it? It that is such a that is such a smart way to make the audience and make the viewer engage with the film, because typically we're just passive viewers, right? Just sitting and watching and consuming, but now we're actually actively looking for stuff. And that makes us much more invested, which makes it scarier. You know, it's really scary. And um, it's mm, chef's kiss. And the whole thing feels very unsettling with a lot of like the scenery that they do as well. Like we see that, you know, Annie, she's a miniaturist, right? So a lot of like dollhouse motifs. And that's exactly what the set is. The set is very much a dollhouse. And the fact, and it was Mm -hmm. all filmed, all the like interior shots are all filmed on a soundstage, very much where you don't, a lot of times you don't see like the top of the ceiling because they want it to kind of feel like that, that, that dollhouse that was a very much a very like intentional, intentional choice or it was, it was a choice yeah. in order to replicate the miniature, uh, miniaturing that, <laughs> that that she does and that yeah, yeah that dollhouse feeling and it's very unsettling the house like i can't describe it any way other than very much feeling like a dollhouse yeah and it's so dark the, the movie is very dark it's very hard to watch this movie during the day you'd have to watch it in the evening with yeah. the lights down yeah 
first off, you'll you'll miss bitches in the corner of the ceiling. <laughs> Secondly, it's a very dimly lit movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there, well, I think that's probably why I didn't see the occult symbol on the freaking uh, telephone pole, because the first time I watched it was during the day. So, yeah. Well, and <laughs> honestly, I think I missed it as well, because you're not looking for it. You're, you're just like, oh, there's this thing. But once you know, oh, because we're actually not really introduced in t- to the occult symbol as a thing to look at until later, right? Right. And so we don't really... No, and it, everything starts with us looking for something missing when Annie is going through her mom's things. And then in the background, there is her mom hidden in the shadow, smiling, staring at her. The mm. ghost of her mom. That's when we're like informed, okay, you got to start looking for shit. But we're not given much about the the payment symbolism until kind of like after right like as, yeah. as 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 a thing to look out for and then you see it everywhere oh my god <laughs> oh god it's like my anal warts all over oh my god will you stop talking about your goddamn anal warts i named them they're both named paul and jordan Oh, oh my no. God, that's so sweet. <laughs> what? Just kidding. I don't have any awards. I can't. Anymore. Yep, I don't have an anus. <laughs> not without my anus. <laughs> not, with, not without my anus. Um, speaking of the grandma's things, I'm confused why Annie has never gone through her grandma's things to the point that, you know, I don't know that. Because we wouldn't have a movie? I, I mean, I I'm guess. Just kidding. I'm just no, kidding. I mean, honestly, yeah, but like. I mean, but they have a very strained relationship. Yeah. And I, like, oh, I guess that's true. But like, and, I would at least be like curious. I you mean, know? well, but she's estranged from her. I mean, I think that if you live she's, a lot of your life with your mother not wanting to be invested, you know, in your life or invested in a good relationship with you, you may want to separate yourself as much as possible. I have a really good relationship with my mom and my mom has a really good relationship with 23 and me and tells me fucking everything. <laughs> and I like, but, but I'm invested in my relationship with my mom and I want to yeah. know these stories. And if I had some sort of animosity towards my mom, why would I want to know her background? Like why? Like, yeah. so I and- like, that's the way I took it. She says it yeah. at the beginning. She's like, I didn't know who this woman was. She had a secret life and like, we didn't have a good relationship. I don't know anything about her. So even then, like I can imagine it's like, I wouldn't even know where to, where do you even start in trying to figure someone out that you have no idea? Right. Like, and now they're not around. So yeah. I, I think it really is just more of a symptom of the fact that they have such a strain. There's so much distance in their relationship that even investing in, the mother's things doesn't never really occurred. And that's what I think is hereditary in that, because we see a lot of the similar behaviors between how Annie is with her mother and how she, her relationship with Peter. I mean, it's like, it's like heartbreaking. I mean, because there's a lot of like similarities that they have in the way that they process things and and that's chicken and the egg, right? I mean, does Peter right. process things the way that he does? Because, like, 
that's just like if for lack of a better word, like the hereditary nature, like like what he inherited from his mom well, and how he processes that. Yeah. Or is it a result of how his mother has treated him? But that's also trickle effect of how her mother treated her. So yeah. that that's where the word hereditary is so, so brilliant because there's so many different ways to look at it. And I love yeah. the fact that um, Annie's husband, like, you know, their Peter's dad and all that stuff, he's a psychiatrist. Like, he's like a psychiatrist or a psychologist who works in this, right? You would think that, you know, I on, on like, you know, layman, you know, like everybody, you know, person everybody would think that, like, oh, that means that he can help her. But the reality is um, that's not the case. He is an active viewer in the life and the dysfunction of this household he is a participant in it but instead of being the person who acts it out or does anything he is and this is you know they say this a lot right like the children of therapists are the most fucked up yeah (laughs) right and it's the same thing because instead of actually engaging like a parent or like a husband who would be supportive and trying to get a better sense of my son, uh, my son's grandmother died. My wife is in mourning. That's going to be affecting my children. My son accidentally killed his sister and my son is just kind of numb and walking through life numb right now, instead of engaging in it and really being there as a support, he doesn't engage in it. He just, you know, like very much as like, he's just kind of viewing it all through this like analytical lens, which doesn't serve this family any, you know, it doesn't serve anything really. Right. Yeah. He can identify what's happening, but he can't engage with it, which I found really fascinating. Yeah. And he actively chooses not to tell Annie about like the unearthing of, um, her mother's grave which like i can understand maybe not telling her right away (laughs) maybe i would have told her like a day or two after like hey just letting you know this happened yeah um (laughs) but he also doesn't believe his wife when she's going through this stress right and i think that also shows that ultimately the homeostasis is no communication diagnosing and blaming and then you know being living their life in these miniatures, which are just walls that are separating them from each other and not connecting. And that is what he wants to uphold. Nothing else. Right. So even when they blow up at each other, which is the healthiest thing that they probably did, you know, (laughs) she needed to let that out after they went through that, the son doesn't respond. He doesn't react. And they're just like, okay, they kind of like move on past it. He never believes her. He doesn't engage. It's, it's wild, right? He is the one I saw him as the one who is fighting to keep the hereditary aspect of the family, the, the like fucked up communication, the fucked up dynamics. He is the one who is kind of invested in keeping it all there. Right. Making his wife feel crazy doing all this stuff. Well, I think I could be, I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that there is an alternate scene of, like of the dinner scene and like where when she's going off, like where the father actually steps up and starts 
like fighting back versus in like what we see, if I remember correctly, is like he's just kind of looking around and not saying anything and just being yeah. and being mousy. Kind of like what Pablo was saying is like keeping the, you know, keeping things the status quo of what they are, not wanting to kind of stand up to her. Yeah. Well, it, and it, it, if he had stood up to her during this and like fought back, we would have seen him as much more antagonistic the entire time, which then yeah. would have completely colored and changed who he was because then in every other thing, he is arguing with her and telling her her feelings are wrong, telling her her perceptions of everything are wrong. So for if, if we had seen that, it would have been like, it would have made him probably look maybe slightly abusive but the fact that he was set back and did absolutely nothing and then was like oh my god you need to leave and like you know kind of sh- well what pisses- then it looks like oh he's just he's not invested and i think that has mu- that's much more powerful in this story well, what what pisses me off about him is he also keeps things from her because like yeah when we first learned that the grave has been desecrated of the grandmother he's the one the funeral home calls him and like, like the, <laughs> the feminist in me got real mad where I'm like, why the fuck is he calling the son-in-law? Like, why is he not calling the daughter? And like, and he keeps this from her. Well, like yeah. he, like I, I, in his mind, maybe he's like, I'm trying to protect her, but also it's like, no dude, you need to fucking let, let her know that this is going on. And there's just a lot of like, maybe it's good intent, but like, I, it ultimately I hurts. don't know. Yeah. It, like it yeah. ultimately just is, but poor, it's a, poor decision-making. It's, it's a double standard because he expects her to be open and honest. Like he demands it from her. He gets upset that she was going to, you know, like leave, like they're all lying to each other. Right. But he right. wants her to be open. He wants a son to be open. He doesn't do anything about it, but cause he himself cannot be open either. So, yeah. Well, another scene, uh, speaking of the dinner scene that I, I liked, but also didn't like watching because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I kind of fell in like Peter's shoes during that time of like, just, uh, he's like trying to let his feelings out about what happened to Charlie and how it was kind of an accident. And he's like confused why his parents or like more so his mom specifically is like not interacting with him at all. Not even like addressing. Okay. I'm going to say it right now. And this may not be a popular take. Um, I'm sorry, Peter, you're a little bit of a like monster. I don't like I I get it. Trauma is whatever. But he went home. He left the body of his sister in the car and went to bed. And I am sorry. I would seriously question the character of my child and have a hard time looking at them if they left me to find their dead sibling in my car on my way in the morning when it could have like it's not an easy it's never easy to hear but accidents happen i am sorry i do not blame annie for not wanting to look at her son when he fucking pulled that bullshit yeah she's she's the yeah 
her head gets cut off and his face acting tyra banks would have loved it oh yeah <laughs> i was like fuck he just she would like, be rooting for him yes those <laughs> he smiled and dies in the eyes and she will you know like it was amazing but his choice is oh shit go home and go to bed and like he's not like oh i don't care it's he's obviously going through something but they're in inability to communicate even i fucked up we got into an accident my sister was decapped he didn't even look behind him and acknowledge it like they are incapable of anything yeah. and i know people like this That's and i'm true. just like wow so this i think is the annie kept trying to break away from all of this from all of the you know systems and family dynamics that are fucking them up but everyone keeps pulling her into it and then her you hear her getting up going out of the house getting into the car and uh, then losing it you, you actually, hear that and i think like to me i'm like these are the this is the inciting incident not for the movie but for annie to be like we need to fucking stop this like our we are fucked our family is fucked we need to fucking stop this. And she really goes, you know, she goes crazy, but the she's just breaking these shackles. Well, but I mean, do you, do you blame her for going crazy? And like, don't get me wrong. Like, no, Peter, not at all. Peter's Peter's response. Who knows how you react in that moment? And, and he's a teenager, but I don't blame Annie for not being able to look at her son after all, all of that happened. But what I will say is that you're right. This is movie. This is the moment where the movie takes a turn. I, Josh, earlier, like I know I was making funny jokes about the text messages, but honestly, I think what sticks with me the most about this whole movie is the wailing that Tony Collette gives after she's found Charlie's body. God is the most unsettling disturbing like i can hear it in my ears right now and like like give her an oscar <laughs> like like I, it was it like it was it's so haunting that like, very much so and and you and you feel that pain and that's also like i think that moment also lets me forgive annie in future scenes because like we see that like her grief is real. Like her grief is very palpable. And I don't think for a second that she doesn't love Peter any less. I just think I, it's just, it's so complicated because Pablo, you're right. None of them know how to communicate. I think she loves her son. She still loves her son, but she can they, be upset with him. She yeah. can be upset with yeah. him and be hurt by yeah, him. That's true. I would be upset with my, he fucking let me find my dead daughter in a car that he was driving. But also what I will say is she did tell him to go to the party, but I, I will. I'll, yeah. I'll but say that for... she doesn't know that, you know, this, no one knows that this girl's going to die. No one knows that, you know, who the fuck bakes a cake at a party? Who the fuck uses that many fucking walnuts? Like, all of it is so wild and extreme that, also, like, no. 
No, like drop your little sister off at an arcade. I would have never gone to a party like that at 16 years old with my 13 year old brother. I would have found a way to be like, uh, okay, let's have you go do something else. Right. Yeah. Like, you, you know what? I met this guy online. You go hang out with him. <laughs> he says he's 40. He's an adult. You're good. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, I he's probably fine. would have had my little brother decapitated in other ways, just inadvertently. Right. Not intentionally. Not intentionally. But I would have not waited until the morning for other people to tell my mom that it happened yeah that's exactly. true um yeah i was thinking about the scene where i i think he even peter even says to charlie like hey go have a piece of cake which in my mind i have a i have a be- best friend that's allergic to um like tree nuts or any nuts at all like i would never suggest like going and eating a piece of cake without knowing whether or not because like most cake mixes may or may yes. not you know just exactly. have any remnants of you know nuts or anything like that she's also like the most like in the beginning she's like eating chocolate with like almonds <laughs> like she knows she has this allergy and she just still is like she goes for it. it reminds me i had a dog that would eat its own shit and I was always like, what the fuck? Like, why do you do this? And, like, we would try to get him not to. And he'd just be like, Ugh! like, he would just, like, you know, you'd have to, like, hold him because he's like, I got to get to it. Like, that's what she reminded me of this whole fucking film. I was like, girl, you have a fucking nut allergy. Like, why do you insist on then only eating nuts? She's 13. And, like, I mean, my bigger question is, is I went to a lot of these types of parties in high school. I would not trust a cake that was being served. Also, no one brought cake. No one brought cake to any of these parties. We'd, yeah, you know, pop brownies maybe, but yeah, that's that. So weird. That would be more well, realistic if she was allergic to weed. Well, <laughs> I think be, because essentially, you know, it's this is the 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 hand of you know the not cult but the occult, right? Like everything that's happening is like being set in motion by payment. Yeah to happen right like you know yeah you're gonna make a little cake with 400 fucking walnuts <laughs> who but the there, fuck but yeah but then but like, it's like to secure this bitch gonna die but like what kind of control does payment have uh also of like peter calling his mom being like i'm taking i'm taking charlie to the the hospital also what i will say is a very sweet moment is like like she starts going through this and he immediately knows something's wrong. And he like, he's like, he he picks her, her, he's carrying her. And like, he is being a good older brother. And he goes from being a good older brother to the worst (laughs) older brother in about 45 seconds. But like, and that, that, that's what's, what is heartbreaking. Yeah. It's, he really does care about her. Too bad he fucking knocks her head off. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, why was Charlie's head out the window? <laughs> There's just so many questions. Okay, like, don't victim blame, Josh. <laughs> I'm not victim blaming. I'm just asking the questions. <laughs> Have you ever gone through anaphylactic shock? I haven't. Um. um yeah, I haven't. Yeah. But I've but- had some nuts that have scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Trust me. No. Nope. <laughs> no. 
Okay. M- moving on. <laughs> moving on. Next um, question. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um. Yeah. So. Going back to the whole kind of looking through grandma's things. Um, so I guess it would make sense that Annie wouldn't have known anything about Joan. But I was thinking, well, if maybe she had just looked through her things just a little bit earlier, she would have been like, mm, maybe this lady isn't who she says she is. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and also, I probably like, wasn't Joan at the funeral. No, she she was at the um, she encountered her at like the therapy group or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but my, my, my I like I'm just wondering like I wonder if Joan showed up to the funeral. Oh, maybe. Okay, Loki love Joan. Oh, I yeah. love a shady bitch <laughs> queen. She is like queen. when like she's like oh well, once the grandmother died and they need to get these like things going in motion. She's like we need like we need someone to go to these like a or these like like support group meetings it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit of like recon work and joan's like i'll do it i'll do it i love it (laughs) i buy a chalkboard oh i'll do it i'll do it steal tchotchkes i like like infiltrate my life into annie's i'll do it i love a messy bitch oh joan Joan the whole the whole yeah you're right she's i didn't see her as a messy bitch i was like i love a flustered woman she looks like she's going to pick up her kid from the fucking principal's office (laughs) no she's conniving she's great i love joan love joan we stand joan she's our queen (laughs) or she'd be like one of those ladies that works in like the principal's office at the school like trying to get all the tea when the kids come in like like what are you doing here Go back to class, right? And then the moment the kid leaves, the she just turns around and she's like, "Well, you know, that's you know, her her dad is not her real dad. That's why she acts <gasps> <laughs> like that's how that that is who Joan is. And you know what? That's the Joan that I want to hang and out jo- with. <laughs> yeah, Joan takes that little slip and she's like, "This is forged. I'll let it slide." <laughs> she's like, uh, "I'll let it slide. I know, right? I dated. That's a his whole grand- other paperwork. I, I dated his. Out. I dated his grandfather. It's okay. You know, dang, like I, Joan gets around. Joan be bouncing on some Viagra dick. Get it? Joan. She been having her hymen busted by payment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, I, this is getting it's getting late for me. <laughs> she's like, she, she, she's like, payment, take my head. She'll love this head, payment. Yeah, payments is like, no, honey, just 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 go get Peter. I know, like, right? Peter's fine. Yeah, payment's like, I'm not into cougars. <laughs> she's like, take some piano wire to this pussy. <laughs> she's all doing that noise she's all doing that noise with her pussy her pussy's like <laughs> I fucking love we love jo- Joan we love you <laughs> I love Joan bring Joan on the podcast <laughs> yes. I just want a whole movie about Joan but like her daily life being a total bitch <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I love this so much um any uh, final thoughts about this movie? Uh, I fucking it's 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 a good film. I recommend. Yeah. I hate hated that people hated this film. 
and I usually I'm like, oh, whatever people can take or leave it. But for I was like, oh, you guys are all missing this film. Like because it was like critically acclaimed, but panned by audiences. It got like a day, right. you know, on like a, a, a aggregate scale of audience. And I was like, how the fuck would you know? Would that happen, right? This movie is so smart and it's so spooky and so scary, you know. But yeah, it's a great film. It's fun. I agree. I I love this film, and I think again the movie is rooted in being family conflict and family drama, and adds the horror elements. I think also as a horror fan, we have a lot of things for us horror fans to really like, kind of latch onto. Something we didn't really talk about was there's a lot of like homages to like Halloween and psycho a couple of them being like the classroom scenes that happen multiple times. Oh, just yeah. Like they happen in yeah. Halloween, the um, person like across the street. So like Michael Myers across the street when Jamie Lee Curtis is looking out the window and that happens in a couple of different classroom scenes. I, uh, we, you know, killing Charlie off early on. I just, I think this movie is like when we look at getting into like the late, the late 2010s, like this is, this is a horror movie classic. And like, Oh yeah, this is one of our more recent ones that, that that we're seeing in kind of the cultural zeitgeist. And I think that it, it wouldn't be what it is without the very, very thoughtful, like, like, like almost like uh like not chronic but just methodical, like like obsessive m- methodical like 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 obsessive compulsive detail that that Ari Aster has put into it and yeah and with the performances every single actor just fucking gives it their all and yeah i i i think it's a great movie i think it's a it's an Ari Aster film. So again, I think the more you watch it the more you're going to like it because you're going to pick up more and more on things, but you're still going to kind of be chasing that dragon a little bit of that first time that you saw it and how much it scared the shit out of you, but it's still able to scare you each time you watch it. Yes. Yeah. I have to agree with everything you both just said. Um, I think it's because it's like, it's an A24 film, so I feel like it has that reputation of being more of an elevated horror, right? So I think to your point, Pablo, about like the mainstream audiences maybe not connecting with it, it's like it's not what, at least at the time, like what audiences were looking for. But I think, um, and I said this on the podcast a couple weeks ago, like even I'm kind of getting into like a nostalgia fatigue and kind of like the rebooting Mm, of the classics and like the same story turned out over and over again. So, you know, it's nice to, you know, obviously this film, you know, um, takes pages, like you said, Paul, from, you know, different horror films. Mm. And, you know, uh, even for me, like seeing some callbacks to maybe like insidious and other like kind of like supernatural type movies as well. And especially with like the family dynamic too, I think, um, you know, regardless of all that, I think it still provides like a fresh story that we haven't really dived into like a family dynamic of, you know, 
a sibling killing another sibling on accident and kind of what befalls of that. Um, well, so. you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a reflection of millennial culture, right? We are, we as millennials in Ariaster definitely is a millennial and we're, you know, the audience and the, from the people intending to the people writing the reviews are mostly are very much millennials. We are talking about the things that have scarred us, hurt us, scare us, which are our families, our, <laughs> our relationship. With, no, really. And like our relationship to society, which is now we're seeing so much race play kind of come in and our relationships to systems of power and all that stuff. And so I love yeah. that we're seeing that in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully we get more of that goodness from Ari Aster and, and other directors. Um, Can I pose a question to you, Josh? Yes, absolutely. So you've been doing this rank. I don't, I don't know if we're at the end of your like a 24 run of movies, but kind yes. of just where like curious, like where, where does hereditary rank in your like a 24 ranking? Hmm. Let's see. I would say as of recording, I still have to watch Midsummer, even though this episode will come out after that. So th this may, <laughs> this may change. Um, but I would say it's probably like number four, three or four. Um, okay, nice. I, I really liked X. So I think X is like number one for me right now, but that's just mm -hmm. because I really love slasher movies. And, and even though I was scarred by Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I really enjoyed X for all those callbacks to that. Yeah. And the vibes there. So that's probably my number one. But um, I did actually really enjoy Hole in the Ground. So I think you two should definitely check it out. Um, it's definitely a good movie. Um, I always have to check out a good hole <laughs> just kidding don't lie no i'm not lying i'm a bottom <laughs> listen bottoms can enjoy holes I'm too joking. okay i'm joking my partner's listening to this and they are furious right Oh my goodness. Well, um, where does this fall for, for you guys as far as, you know, A24 films? Is this one of your favorites or? Um... Top three. I actually think this is the one that represents the kind of aesthetic of A24 the best. Like this is A24 if it were a film. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel similarly to Pablo. I I think I would rank Midsummer a little higher, but I think that might have just been because I had a little bit more of a relationship with Midsummer because I saw them not like canonic like I didn't see them in order. Um I hated I fucking hated Midsummer though the first time I saw it. Oh, wow. Um, and then I saw it a second time and I was like, oh, my God, this is one of my favorite movies ever. Like, but I so I think like I have a better like I like Midsummer better, but I also love X. 
I loved yes. Pearl. I cannot fucking wait for Maxine. But I long-winded answer <laughs> agree with Pablo. <laughs> I think I think this is like top three. Like mm-hmm. I don't know what all three like. There's a question mark on which what the third one is, but this is definitely up there. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you both for coming on the podcast today. It's been fabulous. And um, I see our runtime isn't too long, so I've had worse. So (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fine. No, I'm just teasing. Um, uh, And uh, please tell the listeners where they can find you on the internet. Yeah, no, if you would like to follow us, uh, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Scared Gay Podcast. We are on all of the various platforms. If you would like to follow follow me, Paul, I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Paul You Ever Wanted and Pablo. Yeah, I'm on Instagram at The Exorcist SF. That's like exercise, Exorcist SF and Exorcist 83 on TikTok. Thank awesome yes josh thank you so much for having yeah. us Yay. yeah yeah well, i had a great time this was fun yeah well if you ever want me on your podcast i am you happy have to a, come on. you have an open invitation <laughs> yeah we oh will, yeah you do. we will we'll figure out the details later but yes you are going to welcome to the scared gay family <laughs> yeah Yay. have fun with that <laughs> we're, we're we're just like the hereditary family <laughs> dysfunctional (laughs) pablo is your mother we are yeah we're just like the family and fucking mother's day do you guys have you guys seen that film no (laughs) we're like that i haven't seen that one yeah oh have fun with that when you watch it (laughs) so dumb i love it well um listeners uh i've been josh your ghostess with the mostest uh you can follow me at super scary podcast um on all the socials and you can email me at super scary podcast at gmail.com uh this is our finale episode for season three we got you an extra long one this time um right before the holidays so i'm gonna take a little hiatus we'll We'll nap, if you will, and then uh, we'll come back strong in the new year. So um, make sure you keep up uh, with our socials and go listen to uh, Scared Gay in the meantime. And otherwise, I'll see you next year. Uh, Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Super Scary. Super Scary is hosted, produced, and edited by yours truly, Josh. The podcast is executively produced by myself and my husband, Frank. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Super Scary Podcast and email us at superscarypodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a review and rating on your favorite podcast listening platform. Super Scary is a proud part of the Deus Ex Media Network, a collection of fandom podcasts for nerds of all types. Stick around after the show to get a sneak peek at one of our network siblings' shows. See you next Monday on another episode. Stay scared and be super. Bye-bye.
What's up, potheads? I'm Christina Kahn, host of The Restricted Section, the Harry Potter slander Harry Potter book club podcast. We are a raunchy, rambling, unabashedly pro-trans rights Harry Potter book club podcast hosted by a bunch of nihilistic millennials who are desperately clinging to childhood fantasies as a way to escape the monotony of our nine to five work culture and the inevitable extinction of the human race at our own hands. Isn't it wild that this book series was spontaneously created by the gods and has no actual author? Welcome to the show! The Restricted Section releases episodes on Wednesdays. The Restricted Section can be found at Restricted Section Pod or at Restricted Pod across all the socials. And just to make it clear, fuck TERFs. Dave X Media.